few days ago, I was in a conversation with several, several of you, and it was a good conversation with important sharing and equally important moments of silence and waiting. And then a moment came when one of you took it to an even deeper level when this person started sharing their feelings of dismay and despair at the state of our world these days. Naming the evidence of war crimes and atrocities in Ukraine and other ways we humans are cruel to each other, this person said something like, there is just so much to be discouraged about. And the rest of us nodded our heads and felt the weight and the truth of those words of lament. And we held this in silence for a moment. And then I said to the person who had expressed those words of lament, well, you've got some company these days. You're not alone. This week brings Palm Sunday, I said, and the start of Holy Week. And what you're feeling, it resonates with me too. Because at this time of year, I always feel the weight of the events that lead to Jesus' death. And I feel the sadness and the brokenness of being human. Another person spoke up and said, you know, Palm Sunday starts off so promising. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and people are excited and cheering him and saying, Hosanna in the highest. But it doesn't go very well after that, does it? And we agreed, no, it doesn't. And this is something that's always puzzled me about this day in the church calendar, about Palm Sunday. That in many parts of the Christian tradition, today is seen as a happy day, a day of celebration. If you Google Palm Sunday, you'll probably find the phrase, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And I've always wondered about that because don't those folks have an idea that this is not going to go well? And at least now, 2,000 years later, we know how the story ends, right? And so I wonder often, why didn't Jesus and his disciples just stay out in the country where they were helping people and healing people? Why go to the seat of power which was occupied by the Roman Empire and by their soldiers. And in those days, they were like any empire, which didn't tolerate dissent or trouble happily. And into this setting, here comes Jesus, the star of this ragtag parade, in which people are shouting, Hooray! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that was a pretty audacious claim because in those days, the Roman emperor Caesar 
was believed to be the highest power, was seen as like God. And so to claim Jesus was coming in the name of a higher God than that was seen as blasphemous and as a threat to the standing order. And I wonder, have things changed much since then? You've probably seen what is happening to Russian citizens who are standing up and protesting the actions of their own government in their war against Ukraine. Even in our own country, how well do we tolerate dissent? Remember how in the early days of the Black Lives Matter movement, people making that simple assertion that people who were being killed, that their lives matter. These folks were reviled and threatened and all kinds of false claims were made against the movement in national media. Jesus goes to Jerusalem and he creates a stir just by entering town. And before long, he finds himself going over to the temple. And there, when he's there, he turns over the tables of the money changers and the trinket sellers and makes even more people mad at him. And then if you read the gospel accounts of this week, things just go worse and worse. One of the disciples betrays him. The others scatter when trouble comes. Jesus is arrested and tried like a common criminal. He's made an example of. That's what crucifixion was. It was seen as a shameful, not just a painful death, but a shameful death. And it was what the Roman Empire did to try to keep people in line. Hanging on the cross was the empire saying, don't do this if you want to live. One could think that the moral of this story is to keep your head down and don't make waves if you want to survive, right? That's what the Roman Empire was trying to say. But that message couldn't be further from the truth of what Jesus' life and ministry were about. His allure and his power came from how he lived. And how he lived came from the direct connection he felt to God. You hear it throughout the gospel accounts of his life. Bible scholar Marcus Borg describes Jesus as what he calls a spirit person. Someone so filled with the Holy Spirit that others want to be near them and get some of that good energy too. This is what an early theologian named Irenaeus meant when he said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The Gospels describe Jesus as one who was fully alive. And isn't that what we are invited to live and be too while we are here? Fully alive. This is a very human story. And you don't have to identify as Christian to get something from it. Isn't Jesus a good example of one living an embodied life. A life of both suffering and joy, of pain and of healing, 
of making human connections and living fully and freely, and at the end, not being afraid to die. You know, we live in a culture that's more comfortable with joy than with sorrow, with health than with illness, with light than with shadow. But none of us get to live in the light all the time. Pain and sorrow come to every home. Every year as we approach Palm Sunday and Holy Week, I feel the heaviness of this story. And maybe some of you do too. The pain and the sadness of it all. And I've learned that I need to travel this way with Jesus and with his friends if I'm going to be ready to celebrate the promise of Easter, which is only a week away, right? The way to Easter begins with Jesus' life and ministry among the common people, the power he had to inspire and encourage, to heal and to bless, and the tendency he had to tendency he had to stir up trouble. The way to Easter passes directly through Palm Sunday and Holy Week and Jesus' death on a cross. But the way doesn't end at the cross or with his death. It doesn't even end at the empty tomb. It invites us on to be more courageous and more free and more embodied while we are here. More about that next Sunday. Right now, the invitation is to spend some time in the shadows and in the struggle, which is actually where we live much of the time, right? As Tori reminded us several weeks ago, Engaging with the divine and living our faith offers not a haven from the world, she said, but what we find when we are below the timberline, where we live amongst the things that break our hearts and the things that break them open. The things that break our hearts and the things that break them open. Anything come to mind? That's the invitation of this day and of this week to be open-hearted, to even let ourselves be broken-hearted, to make our way through these shadows so that when the light comes, we are ready and we can welcome that light too. And if you're looking to do this with others, we have a couple of opportunities this week here. We have Vespers on Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary. And then on Good Friday, we hold open a space here from noon until 3 in the afternoon for quiet reflection and prayer. You're welcome to drop in for as long or as short as you wish. You can light candles and spend time here. Every 30 minutes in those three hours, we offer readings from Mark's Gospel of the narrative of Holy Week and if you're here and you want to do one of these simple readings, you'd be welcome to do that too. We'd love to have your voice be part of that. What I'm trying to say to you today is 
how good and important it is for us to just be present to this moment and to whatever it is that's going on right now, to be present to these bodies we have been given, to be in them, to be aware of what is in us and around us. This is the way to a holy and heart-filled life, isn't it? And it's simple, it's so simple. But that doesn't make it easy. Especially when the invitation is to look among the shadows, to touch into your own pain and grief and loss. But we know how to do that here, don't we? And I hope you know that you have companions here. I hope you know that. Maybe you'll join me this week in reflecting on this story and imagining how it relates to your own life. Where have you been brave? And when have you been betrayed? Where have you felt abandoned? And how have you showed up, especially when that was hard to do? It helps to bring a sense of imagination to the Holy Week story and to the stories of our own lives, to look for signs and symbols in them, to bring a kind of spacious wonder, the way poets do. You don't have to be a poet to do this, though. Listen again to a few lines of the way Mary Oliver wonders about the donkey Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Never had he seen such crowds And I wonder if he at all imagined what was to happen. Still, he was what he had always been, small, dark, obedient. I hope finally he felt brave. I hope finally he loved the man who rode so lightly upon him as he lifted one dusty hoof and stepped as he had to forward. How are you being called to step forward in these days? What are you being asked to carry? And what perhaps are you being invited to put down? This is a good day and a good week to reflect on these things. How do I make my way through the valley of the shadow? Where am I invited to be more courageous or more compassionate? What am I afraid of? And how can I face that and not turn away? The words we heard a few minutes ago from the Hebrew tradition remind us of a powerful truth about this life. That wherever we go, it is eternally Egypt that there is a better place, a promised land, that the winding way to that promise passes through the wilderness, that there is no way to get from here to there except by joining hands, marching together. Joining hands, marching together. My spiritual companions, The way to Easter 
passes through the daily struggles of our lives, through pain and suffering, through death and loss. It is a winding way through the wilderness, punctuated by moments of peace and solace and even delight. The way invites us to be awake to what is in us and what is around us and who is with us on the journey, joining hands, moving forward together, now and forever. Amen.